This thought and desire of being hungry for God. If you want to turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 is where we'll be today. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. We'll be there here in just a few moments. Also, if you have a smartphone or tablet device, you can look on the Bible app, the YouVersion app. And you'll see there that there's a live event for New Life Church. And our scriptures and some of our uh, points for the sermon and everything are, are there in the Bible app. And you can follow along that way. It will also be on the screens available for you today. But here at the start of 2020, we've, we've set aside this first part of our year with an emphasis of being hungry for God. We began the 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're ending it with next weekend our, our, our awakening services with Kyle Embry and and we talked in the first week about being hungry for God and a memorable message. And if you were here, you're probably still hungry as a result of it. Uh, and we, we talked about what it is to be hungry. It was exciting. Well, we can be filled when we're hungry for God. Last week, we talked about the need for breakthrough and wanting to see God move in our situation or circumstances. And today, I want to talk to you about another component of being hungry for God and having a desire to be awakened for all that he has for us. And that is the idea of surrender. Surrender. If we're talking about surrender, then we have to look at what keeps us from surrendering, and that is the need to be in control. The opposite of, of surrendering is not surrendering, which is maintaining control of things ourselves. And I wonder if there is anyone here today who likes to be in control or needs to be in control. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your spouse's hand either. That's okay. Uh, in some area of your life, there's probably people here that need to be, be in control. And let's be honest, probably for all of us, there's areas that we are more comfortable when we are in control. Different areas for each person. For some, it may be at work. Where you work, maybe you're the boss, maybe you're not, but either way, you like it done your way. Every time. It's the only way, all the time. And if you can't get it right, you'll just do it yourself. If someone else can't get it right, you'll do it yourself. Some of you work for this kind of person, and some of you are this kind of person. Others, it may not be the situation at work. Maybe it's at home. Any control freaks at home? <laughs> Everything has a place. Don't touch that. Leave that there. Stay away from that. Or maybe it's just certain things at home or certain areas, like the way that you vacuum. There are certain people that they want to vacuum a certain way, and they want to have the lines and the lines need to be kind of lined up and evenly spaced. And if the lines aren't right, then the vacuuming wasn't done right. Anyone have a vacuuming freak in their house? Maybe it's uh, your wife or your daughter or it could be any, any number of people. And uh, it could be another place at your home. Like maybe someone you know is pretty chill and relaxed until you get in their kitchen. They don't care what happens in the rest of the house. Vacuum however you want or don't at all, but leave my kitchen alone and leave everything the way it needs to be. The Pharisees had 613 commands and laws that they kept, and your wife has more for her kitchen. No one can relate to that. And it seems strange to some of us guys, but maybe we're the same way about some other areas of our lives. Maybe you have a man cave or a TV room that's just right, or your garage that you want to have the right way, or maybe it's the control of the remote control. <laughs> you want to know what's on, not only what's on, what was on, what will be on, what's recording while what's on is on, what could be coming on next, the volume of, of that control, and what other things you could be watching later in the day. It used to be so simple. You know, remote controls used to be on and off, volume up, volume down, channel up, channel down. 
Now, like, you can launch people to the moon. It's crazy what a remote control can do. And, like, the thing it can't do, which is often turn on the TV. Just turn I just want to turn on the TV. Why would you? You got to press this button at the same time as this button. But that button turns on four different things. So you got to make, yeah, it's just crazy. What? Maybe you're super particular about your car or your motorcycle, your garage, whatever it is. How about when it comes to riding in a vehicle? Do we have any backseat drivers or passenger seat drivers? You can't stand to ride in a car that someone else drives. You freak out. You speak up to try to help them out because obviously they don't know that they're not driving right. But when that doesn't work, you reach over and grab the steering wheel and say, not that, you know. How many have worn out the handle, the, the little handle on the side of the door from holding on for your life? You can't stand not being in control. And while it's fun to poke fun at some of these kinds of issues and to laugh together about the way that we are, some of this stuff is just downright funny. We're quirky. But the reality is in other areas of our lives, these can control issues can become big issues. Because control issues often are surrender issues. And it's okay when it comes to things in our house and quirky little things, we all have those. But whenever we're trying to control something that isn't ours to control, it can actually be a reflection of a big spiritual problem. Because what we're trying to control and what we're trying to do in certain areas of our life, when we control things that we were never intended to control, is that we are positioning ourselves in the place of God in our life. Instead of surrendering the things to God that he alone should be in control of in our lives, we maintain control of them because we fear what would happen if we <coughs> surrendered control of that area and we set ourselves up in the place of God. And there's only one room for one God in our lives. Either God can be in control and be God of our lives, or we can be control and be God of our lives, but it's not going to be both ways. It's going to be one or the other. Hudson Taylor, who knew a thing or two about surrender, as he was a missionary in China for 51 years, he said either Christ is Lord of all or he isn't Lord at all. And that's the idea when it comes to a place of surrender is we have to come to a place of asking ourselves is, do we trust the Lord? Is he Lord of all or is he Lord at all in our lives? So today we're looking in Proverbs 3 at one of the most quoted and memorable, memorable verses in all of Scripture. One that you've likely heard a million times. You may have heard it. So much that you didn't even know it was scripture. You just thought it was something your mom said all the time. And yet it's one of the most difficult scriptures for us mm -hmm. to live out. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Some versions say submit to him. And he will make your path straight. What does this mean, this idea of trusting in the Lord? Well, that's surrendering to God. If we don't trust in the Lord, then we're going to have trouble surrendering to God. So it says, trust in the Lord, surrender to God with how much of our heart? Oh. I wonder today how much of your heart you're trusting God with. How surrendered are you? And the next part's really hard for us control freaks. If you thought that first part was rough, <laughs> lean not on your own understanding. Oh, for real, God? But I, I know I've been around the block a time or two. I know a little bit about this. But yet, if we're going to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, it means that we're going to not lean on our own understanding. Quit trying to figure it out yourself. Quit fighting to be in control. In all your ways. I don't know why he's repeating himself, but how many ways? 
in all of your ways. I think he's wanting to be clear. Submit to him. Acknowledge him. The word in Hebrew is it's, it's the same word for submit and acknowledge. It actually means to know. It's the same word that was used about Adam and Eve. It's an intimate knowing of something. You see, we trust the Lord with every bit of our heart. We submit to him. We acknowledge him. We surrender to this intimate relationship, this intimate trust that we have with the Lord because we know him to the point that we're able to surrender all of our ways. We're able to submit our hearts to him. And he will make your path straight. We don't do it. He does it. Here's the problem. The more that we try to control and the more that we're afraid of losing control, and then the more that we're afraid of losing control, the more that we try to control, and the more that we try to control, the more that we're afraid of losing control. And it's this cycle of fear and control that God never intended for our lives to be stuck in. We're edging God out and we're literally saying, God, I can handle this. Or in other words, God, I don't need you in this area of my life. We sometimes wonder why we aren't seeing God move in bigger ways in our lives. Why we don't experience God in more ways. Where are the miracles? Where are the big God moments in my life? In fact, God, where are you in my life at all? And I wonder if God ever thinks, huh, I'm right where you left me when you took back control of your life. Right there. I never went anywhere. I'm right there. You have to surrender. You can't keep control of your life and then blame God for the direction of your life. I want to share with you today a story from the Old Testament about the struggle to surrender and about control gone really, really bad. The story is about Abram and Sarai, later Abraham and Sarah. Their names would be changed. You say, well, that's the father of faith. Abraham didn't struggle with control. He didn't struggle with surrender because he's this father of, of, of who we are. He couldn't have been you know, struggling in the same ways that I struggle. I mean, it's Abraham. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth. In our minds, the people in the Bible are superhuman, and, and we are barely even at the same level as them. But the beauty of the reality of the Bible is that God used ordinary people. He used people like you and me. He used flawed people. And the Bible's a testimony to God's greatness, not to human greatness. So if there's a father of faith or someone that's an example of what it looks like for something to be done right in the Bible, then it's really not a testimony to that person. It's a testimony to God's grace in their life that transformed or redeemed or did something because normal people struggle with normal issues like you and I struggle with issues in our lives. If there's anyone that struggled with control issues for most of their lives, it was Abraham and Sarah. God asked them to step out in faith and trust him in extraordinary ways, but it didn't always come easy to them. Once Abraham was afraid for his safety and control, he took control and he lied in telling people that Sarah was actually his sister instead of his wife. He tried to control the situation. The biggest example of this, though, is in Genesis 16, where I want to look with you today. Even though they were childless and they were wanting a, a child more than anything in their life, they hadn't received one, but then God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. Can you imagine what this promise must have been like to someone who was childless and desiring a child? God promised he would be the father of nations. It's exciting. For a really long time, though, nothing happened. Nothing at all. Months went by. Nothing happened. Years go by. 
Nothing happens at all. For a really, really long time, nothing happened. And then, finally, Sarai did what many of us do when God's timing wasn't her own. She tried to take control of things and do it her own way. And Abraham went along with it. That's what we read in Genesis 16, verse 1. It says this, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Don't you love how it's God's fault? Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Ten years of following God. Ten years from the point that God said, go to the place I'm going to show you. They'd been stepping out in faith for ten years, and yet they came to a place in their lives where they said, maybe God's not going to show up. Maybe he needs our help in this area of our lives. God made a promise. His promise was not consistent with their timing, so they took control, and control went bad. If you don't know what happened next, some of you may know, or you may know part of the story, or maybe you know all the story, but it's really mind-blowing how this one instance of taking control impacted people for centuries to come, and in some ways still impacts us today. In fact, in a lot of ways, impacts us today. Hagar got pregnant, gave birth to a son, named the son Ishmael. Then what happened? Sarah got pregnant. Oh, like the Lord said. Amazing. Imagine that. She gave birth to a son named Isaac. So you have Ishmael and you have Isaac. If you look at the descendants of Ishmael, you have the Palestinian nation and you have Muhammad. If you look at the descendants of Isaac, you have the Jewish nation and you have Jesus. Here we are centuries later with the tension between the Palestinians and the Jews. And you have tension between, do we follow Muhammad or is Jesus the right way? And why is this? It's control with that. It's the consequences, honestly, of the sinful nature. What I wanted to have happen didn't happen, not the way that I wanted it to happen, not the timing that I wanted it to happen in, and so I had to help it happen in my way and my time. There's a huge spiritual lesson that we all need to learn, and it's not that you should never sleep with a woman named Hagar. <laughs> you probably won't have that opportunity in your life. Probably safe there. The lesson isn't that you shouldn't sleep with the Egyptian slave of your wife, because I don't know about your wife, but mine doesn't have an Egyptian slave. So that's not it either. It's probably not an issue. If you get tempted with that, then definitely say no, but probably not the one you're going to face. But you know what you probably will be tempted with? Let me tell you what you will be tempted with. All of us are going to be tempted to take control of things when something doesn't go our way. Maybe you're a single Christian girl. And you want a single Christian guy, but since you can't find a single Christian guy, the temptation will be just to settle for a guy. Oh, well, I know I'm not supposed to be like unequally yoked to somebody that doesn't believe, but he has a really cute, you know, smile. And so maybe it'll work. You know, and you tell yourself, I can probably change him over time, so this is actually probably a good thing. I'll get into a relationship with him, he'll like me, and then I'll tell him he has to come to church, and then he'll like Jesus, and it's all going to work out. You know, I know he's not, but, well, I know, I mean, you know, we know, it's going to, you know, I can change it. Right? I'll move on. It's getting kind of quiet. Parents are starting to nudge their kids, you know. Maybe your temptation is going to be a financial issue. You're kind of struggling with money. 
And maybe you've been around church, you've been following Jesus for a little while, and you know that God's been speaking to you about putting him first in your finances and tithing to the Lord. And you know you're supposed to. You know he's been telling you to. You know that he'll bless you for it. You know that he's your provider. But it's an area of trust and surrender to the Lord. And right now, you just think it's not a good idea, so you're going to keep control. I mean, I know I've been in control, and it hasn't really been working out, and I've been struggling financially as a result of my control, but I think it's just a good idea for me to continue to be in control. <coughs> now, don't get offended. I'm sure that all the people that that related to were in the first service. No one in this service at all. So we'll keep moving. Maybe your temptation is being frustrated with people you work with. I've tried to delegate this to you, but you're not getting it, and you're not doing it my way, so I'm going to do it my way. Move out of the way. Maybe your struggle is being a helicopter parent. You know what that is, helicopter parent? You're hovering. Some of the kids know what that is. I know what it is. I'm not talking about being a good, involved parent. You should. You should raise your kids to know the Lord. I'm talking about extreme control. Hey, what is it that you got there? Johnny, homework? Well, I can help you with, with that so you can get an A. Does someone pick on you? Just wait until I find that kid's mama. That kid's mama's going to have a piece of this mama. Oh, my God. <laughs> you want to play sports? Well, yeah, basketball's okay, but I always wanted to play football. Why don't you, why don't you play football? I want to fulfill my dreams of, of playing football. You're going to go check the mail? Okay, why don't you put a helmet on before you go out and check the mail? Put on some knee pads, some elbow pads. Be careful checking that mail. None of you are like that, right? None of you are controlling parents. The Huffington Post actually recently had an article that said of recent college graduates, get this, this is going to blow your mind, 8% of the recent college graduates that were interviewed actually said that they brought one of their parents with them to job interviews. 8% brought a parent on a job interview. Now let me give you a little tip for college students in the room. If you're interviewing for a job at New Life Church, Leave your mom in the car. It's cute that she drove you out here and everything, but just have her stay in the car till the interview's over. Okay, I want you to do this today. There's different areas that we struggle with control. There's different areas that we're going to be tempted to not surrender control of these things to God and that we're excessive in these areas. I want you to think about the name of the area that you know that you're, you're trying to control. The area that you struggle with maintaining control. What is that area? Maybe you want to turn over on the back of your worship guide and write that down or put it in your phone somewhere. You're sitting here today. Maybe you're watching online with us. You have control issues. What are you trying to control? I want you to think about that or write it down. You post it in the, in the comments on the live stream. What area do you struggle with letting go of control? What are you trying to control? Your kids? Your grown kids? Trying to control your grown kids' kids? They just aren't raising my grandkids right. Someone's got to show them how to do it. Well, who do you think raised them? <laughs> Move on. You're trying to control your future, your spouse, your finances. Come on, give it a name. Write it down. Some of, some of us are control freaks. <coughs> and you're sitting here today and you're saying, oh, I'm not going to, he's not going to make me write anything down. He can't control me. He can't tell me what to do. I'm not a control freak. <laughs> Thank you for proving my point. We'll keep going. The reason I want you to name this or write it down is because I want you to ask yourself three questions. And we're going to go through them briefly today, but these are the three questions. Is this mine to control? Is this something that I should be controlling? Or is this an area that I'm supposed to 
Surrender to the Lord and trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not on my own understanding. And in all my ways acknowledge him and allow him to make my path straight. Is this an area that I'm supposed to be in control? And am I going overboard with my control in this area? Or is this an area that I'm just entirely supposed to surrender control to the Lord? So as you're asking that question, I want to look at these three, these three questions. And you're thinking about that area of control that maybe the Lord's speaking to you about today. So the first question, is this, is this mine to control? And sometimes the answer to that question is yes. There are things that are our responsibility. There are things that we need to be control of. The Lord gave us dominion over certain things. And we're not supposed to sit back and relinquish responsibility of what we're supposed to do. And even when we come to a place of surrendering control, there's still involvement from us. But there are certain things that are things that we're, we are supposed to control. If you have young children, you can't just sit back and say, well, I don't want to influence them in any way. I want them to be able to make their own choices completely and entirely without any influence from me, so I'm going to sit back, good luck. Well, that's, that's not it. And you say, well, pastor, you just told me not to be a helicopter parent, so which is it? You know, it's got to be one or the other. Well, here's the thing. Your kids are your responsibility, and specifically at a, at a young age, to train them in the ways of the Lord. It doesn't mean you accompany them on job interviews. But Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Another example of an area that's yours to control is if your marriage is in trouble, you don't just sit back and say, well, God, it's not my problem. God, you sent me this wife, so straighten her up. You're going to have to make this guy act right now because I've done everything I can with him, and I've... that's not the way it works. Are you really doing everything you can? Have you really been willing to work it out? There comes a point when you only can do so much, and we'll get to a minute when it is beyond our control what to do with that. But are you really involved and invested? If finances are struggling, you're going to have to own a little bit of that. Yes, God's our provider, but you may need another job. You may need a job. You may need to stop spending $10 a day on gourmet coffee, and then you wouldn't need another job. You may need to drive an older car for a while until that financial situation gets under control. If you're a single guy and you don't want to stay that way forever, what do you do? Bro, quit prank playing Pokemon Go all day. Move out of your mom's basement, take a shower, put on some deodorant, have a life outside of Call of Duty, get a job. All these things will probably help in that area. They can't hurt anything at all, right? There's some things that you can do that are within your control. There's areas of responsibility that God wants us to exert ourselves and be responsible. In fact, God's going to hold us accountable. Romans 14, 12 says each of us are going to give an account of himself to God. So the second question is, is this worthy of concern? Or should I be as concerned as I am with this area? So even if, you, if you've God's given you control over something and you're supposed to control it, are you going overboard? Sometimes us control-freak-natured people, there's a lot of things that we see that we would do differently. But first thing that you need to know is not everything that you would do differently is being done wrong, right? Just because it's not how you would do it doesn't mean it's wrong. Secondly, there's things that may not be done exactly how you would do them or maybe not even being done exactly right, but are they worth the fight and the amount of concern that you're putting on them? There may even be some areas that are yours to control, but you need to change your method of control because you've allowed your emotions to get the best of you over something that really isn't worth all that much concern. So this is confession time with Pastor Matt. I'm going to come clean. My kids will tell you they're here today. My daughter was in the first service, and she's like, that's good preaching, Dad. My son's back here today. He'll tell you this is true. 
My pet peeve in life, the biggest thing to me is when people and then their feet and their shoes come in contact with the dashboard of my car or the door of my car. Now here's the thing, I think it's completely reasonable. If you want to ride in my car, that's fine, you're welcome to. Even if you have feet, your feet are welcome, that's fine. Even if your feet are big, we're still good. You're welcome in my car. But keep your big dirty feet on the floor mat. Is that too much to ask? I don't think it really is, right? And if you feel like you have the space and you want to cross one leg, over the other leg, that's okay. I'm a little nervous, but I'll allow it. But just make sure that the shoe doesn't touch my car. <laughs> my car's fairly clean. It's pretty nice. I like it clean and nice. Even if you don't think it's clean and nice now, I'm going to have to clean it and make it nice later. Long after your dirty feet are gone, you won't be around to help with that. And really, it's, it's not worth all the fuss that I give it, right? It's really not that big of a deal. It probably could just be wiped off and cleaned. Sometimes control freaks get a little out of whack in certain areas of their life, and they have to calm down. Can I get an amen from my son? There are things that we have to ask. Is it really worth this concern? If your husband takes the towels out of the dryer and takes them to the bathroom cabinet, and he folds them and puts them away, I want you to know that's a pretty good husband. Yep. Can all the husbands say amen? amen. But wait. <laughs> he folded the towels neatly. Put them in the cabinet, but the fold is facing the wrong direction. <laughs> the towels that were in there before, the folded part is facing the front side, and now the ones that he's put in is facing the back. Can you not fold the towels right and put them in the, big, in the right way? Come on. Is it really worth all that? Will it matter five years from now? Will it matter that much if your kid walks out of the house not matching perfectly, but they're warm, they're modest, they're decent, they may look like a crayon box thrown in a blender, but they're fine. Does it really matter that much? Does it really matter if one of the kids leaves a cup they were drinking in from your, in your car? I know that you just cleaned it out. It looks like it was last year, though, but from the look of things, is it really worth making a big deal out of it? two scriptures I want to read to you today, Matthew 6, 34. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have enough worries of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I think what Jesus is saying here in these passages is, this is a nice way of saying, don't freak out so much. Just chill out. Calm down. And don't elbow the person next to you. God's already talking to people. It's okay. The third area, and this is the big one, the third question that you have to ask when it comes to control is, is this an area of my life that I need to surrender to God? Is this one of those areas that I'm desperately trying to control, but really is an area that was never intended for me to control, and it's for God alone? Is this an area that I need to surrender to God? And sometimes this causes a lot of anxiety. When we aren't used to trusting the Lord with all of our heart, and acknowledging him in all of our ways. When we aren't in control, our emotions are all over the place. Remember last week I talked about how emotions are good gauges, but they're not good guides. They're from God, but they make terrible gods. And we're supposed to let the peace of God rule in our heart and trust God in the areas of our life that are for God alone. What areas are for God alone? We've got to come to a place where we say, God, I want less of me and more of you. Like Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. 
It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Surrender comes from a heart that says, you know what? I can let it go. I can give it to God because I, I, he's, he's crucified. He's on the cross. And I put myself there. I'm nothing. I want less of me and more of him. I must decrease and he must increase. And when we live our lives that way, we can come to a place that it's easy to surrender things to God. We have to know what areas of our life to surrender to God. One is areas that we can't control anyways. We just make a mess when we try to control something that we were never intended to control. We make a mess when we try to carry something that we were never intended to carry. You're married. Your spouse is making bad decisions. Can you change your spouse? Some of you say yes. The answer is no. You can have a conversation and you can be invested and you can try to discuss with them. And ultimately, if they're dug in and they're unwilling to move, you can't change your spouse. You can make your spouse miserable. You can drive them away. You can make them crazy. You can form their behavior to what you want it to be for a little while of time. And, and they can resent you for that change. But you can't really change your spouse. Can God change your spouse? Yes. Yeah. So that's one of those situations when you've done all that you can do. You've got to give it to God. God, this is for you alone. God, I've got to surrender this area of my life. This is for you alone. I'm surrendering control. You are able to do more with it in that area than I would ever be able to do because I can't bring about change in this area. So God, that's for you alone and I trust you. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding in this area. I'm just going to acknowledge you in this area of my life and allow you to move. Can you heal your body or physically heal someone that you love? You can't do that. There's things that you can do. You can eat right. You can get great doctors. You can find treatment. You can do all that. But can you heal? You can't do that. You can't heal. But can God heal? Yes. God can heal. So God, this area of my life that I need healing, whether it's a physical area or an emotional area or a spiritual area, I surrender that to you, God. I'm giving that to you alone. I trust you. Can you control your kid's future? No, you can't. You can threaten them. You can drive them away. You can create a wall. You can helicopter and hover. You can do all those things, but you still can't control them no matter how much of a control freak that you want to be. <coughs> The best thing you can do is be an example for them. You can show them what it looks like to live for God, but ultimately it, it comes to a place where you've trained up a child in the way that he should go, where you've invested and you've poured yourself out and you've just got to surrender that to God. God, this is for you alone. My kids are for you alone. God, I've done what you've called me to do. I've trained them up. I acknowledge that this kid was a gift from you and you trusted him to me and the least I can do is trust him back to you believe that you're going to move in that area. A lot of people want to be used by God or empowered by God or filled with God, but they aren't willing to be fully surrendered to God. For God to fill and empower us and use us like he wants to, we must be surrendered and give him control because the power, the filling, all of that comes from him. There's areas of your life that are for God alone, and you're going to have to choose surrender over control. Surrender doesn't mean I don't care anymore. It means letting go 
giving God control and giving this to him because only he can do what needs to be done. So you ask yourself those three questions about those areas of control. Is this even mine to control in the first place? If it is, is it worth the level of concern that I'm giving it? Is it worthy of my concern? And is this an area that I need to surrender control to God? There's areas of our lives that we're just too controlling, and oftentimes it's, it's a physical reality, but sometimes it's also a spiritual reality. There's other areas of our lives, areas that truly matter, spiritual areas, areas of eternal significance that aren't ours to control. And if we're really hungry for God, if we really want to experience breakthrough in our lives, we've got to surrender those things to Him and allow Him to move. For some of you, you don't like the word surrender. Maybe you've got a military background or the picture that comes to mind when I say surrender is one of defeat. And surrendering is this idea of conceding to your enemy. But there's a beautiful picture of surrender that that I want to come to mind when you think about God, I want you to carry with you from here on out. Surrendering to God isn't like surrendering to an enemy. It's not about giving up or, or giving up hope or giving up a chance of victory. In fact, it's the exact opposite when it comes to God. The reason that we have to surrender to God isn't because he's our enemy. It's because he is our rightful Lord. He's the Lord of our lives. And when we keep control over ourselves, we're setting ourselves up as the Lord of our lives. We're putting ourselves on the throne of our life. We're saying, I'm in control because I'm, I'm the Lord instead of him. So surrendering, it yields ownership and it yields lordship to him. It relinquishes control of things that were never really ours to control to begin with. And here's the thing about your life. God's never going to forcibly take control of areas of your life. He's not going to make you do what he wants you to do. He's not going to make you do what's in the best interest of your life. He's not going to make you do what he created you to do or anything that you're unwilling to do yourself. When it comes to surrender, he invites us to live a surrendered life. Jesus said, would you take up your cross and follow me daily? That's a picture of a surrendered life. The invitation for us to live surrendered is there, but the, the, the doing of it is ours to do why we spent time in prayer and fasting to begin this year. It's why we're bringing in an evangelist next weekend. We're setting a time, side time to go after God. It's about being surrendered. It's about saying, you know what? These things were so important to my life before, but God, I'm letting those go. Instead, I want what you want for me. I want to grow in the areas of my life that I need to grow. I want to surrender those things I need to surrender. And maybe it's surrendering a relationship to him. Maybe it's in your finances and putting God first. Maybe it's with emotions that are out of control and you say, God, I need to be in control of these emotions. I know these emotions are from you, but Lord, I want to submit them to your Lordship. And God, I want instead the peace of Christ to rule and reign in my heart. I don't want to be a control freak that's just out of control and in areas that, that I should have surrendered to you long ago anyways. And God, even in those areas that I, I am meant to be in control, God, help me to do it in a way that honors you and help me to do it as a reflection of a, of a Christ follower that submitted to your lordship and surrendered to you in every area of my life. Maybe it's about an area that God's been calling you to serve or a ministry that he's opening doors for and you haven't said yes to God yet. Maybe it's an area of forgiveness where you haven't yet surrendered in that area. Maybe you've held on to control of an area that should be for God alone. Maybe it's what you wrote down at the beginning of this service that God's wanted to talk to you about or maybe you didn't write down something at the beginning of the service because you said, God, I didn't I don't want to deal with that today. I want to keep control of that a little longer. But through the
course of the service, God's been bringing it to your heart. He's been bringing it to your mind. And you know, I don't know, but you know that that's what God's dealing with you about. That's the area, that's the issue that he wants to deal with you about today. Maybe like Abraham and Sarah, you've blown it by not surrendering to God. I've got good news for you today. God redeems. God forgives. God restores. And God still has a plan on the other side of that. Abraham still became the father of faith. God still fulfilled his promise to Abraham, even though they took things into their own hands, even though they tried to control it themselves, even though they blew it and messed up. God's going to do the same for you in your life, regardless of how many times we fail and we fall, we blow it, we mess up, because we will. But today I think it's time to let God speak to you. It is time to make a declaration of surrender. And as Autumn leads us in this song this morning for just a couple minutes, will you just do that? Will you open your heart and hear from God and allow him to speak to you in your life over the next couple minutes in regard to this area of surrender? and I don't need to. That's between you and him. He can do 
that work that, that no one can do. If you'll allow him to do it today, if you just simply open your heart. Today, the first step of surrendering is surrendering to a relationship with the Lord. And if you walked in here today and when you did, you're not in a right relationship with the Lord, that's the first area of surrendering control is saying, God, I, I want to surrender my life to you. I want what you have for me. I want you to be in control of my life. I want you to be on the Lord's seat of my life. Today, I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer with us today. If you've never received Lord as your Savior, or you have, but you know that you're not living for Him right now, I invite you to pray along with the rest of us today. Let's just let's just make that right first. Let's pray, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Today, I surrender the control of my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that when you died on the cross, you died for my sin. And today I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, if you made that decision today to surrender control of your life to the Lord, whether for the first time or just you know that you're coming back to a right relationship with Him, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, today I prayed that prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Awesome. It's awesome what God's doing. everything that God wants to do, it begins the relationship. And it's up to us to continue from that point forward. The second area that I want us to respond in is this, and this is for everybody here today. Surrender control. We talked about how, how surrendering is an issue of lordship and ownership. And one of the things that you do to honor a king or to acknowledge someone else's lordship or, or their rule in your life is is you bow or you kneel before them. So what I want us to do is this, is Autumn leads us in this song again for just a couple moments. If you're physically able to, some of you may not be able to, but if you're physically able to, I want to invite you to just take a moment and to kneel. You can come to an altar up front and kneel. You can turn around at your chair where you are and kneel and make that an altar and pray a place of prayer. I want us just to all kneel and say, God, I'm surrendering to you. If you're not able to kneel, there's another thing you can do for surrender, and that's just to raise your hands. It's an international, universal sign of surrender. Just say, God, I, I surrender to you. But would you take a moment, that, that area that maybe the Lord's speaking to you about, would you take a moment and just surrender it to the Lord, give it to him, and allow him to do what he wants to do? We'll come back and dismiss in just a moment. But let's just do that. Let's just do that. Let's surrender to him all the way. 